that. All right, y'all still with me? God is good all the time. Uh, parents, kiddos, uh, kiddos, if you're still in here and you uh, don't have an activity sheet, there's some back there that go with that lesson. And parents, whether your kids were uh, in K through second and stayed in here with you or whether they went back there, that's the video, that's the, the lesson for this week. So I encourage you to uh, and ask some of the questions or your own, uh, some of the questions on that um, take-home sheet, that family discussion guide. Uh, but you can come up with your own, but, but try to bring what is taught back into your home with intentionality and uh, conversation with your kiddos. That's my encouragement to you. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians 14. Uh, this morning we're going to be reading uh, 26 through 33, and then we're going to skip down and read the last two verses of the chapter as well, 38 and 39. So 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I'll say this now, so in case I forget or it doesn't distract us later, I know what I'm skipping, okay? I know it's talking about women, and it's confusing and potentially offensive, and so I know what I'm skipping, and I'm not skipping it. We'll do it next week, okay? So just, just, just know we'll come back to the, the uh, difficult passage there on women's role in church next week. So that's just, uh, that's, that's just so you know. All right, let's read this together. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, starting in 26. Paul says, What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn and a lesson and a revelation, a tongue, or interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two or at most three, and in turn let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them with tongues keep silent in church and speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another setting there, let the first be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one so that you may learn and all be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to prophets. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. Skip down to 38, or 39 rather. Uh, so my brothers earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but, in all, but all things should be done decently and in order. Let's pray. God, would you help us with your word? We know that any, any command you write, any instruction you give is for our good. It's for our encouragement, building us up, teaching us, convicting us of sin, and making us more like you, and therefore leading us into a greater level of worship and joy. So pray that your word would accomplish those purposes today, Lord, that, that uh, as we are your people, we, we confess and we submit that this is your word. We sit under it, and we, we pray that you as we give it authority over us, that you would give us ears and hearts to hear and to receive your word. Would you use me to that end this morning? Move me out of your way, and would your, your spirit speak your word to your people? That's our hope and our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, we've been talking about spiritual gifts, and much of the um, fear or negative views around some spiritual gifts, right? More charismatic, which is a misuse of that word because really the word uh, charisma is just what means spiritual gifts. It's, it's God giving gifts to his church, right? 
supernaturally through his spirit. He gives them to the church through individuals, through people, right? But it's for the building up of the church. And so it, it, sometimes we associate that word charismatic with, with a certain style of worship or a certain style of church that, that does these gifts or does not use these gifts. But in reality, all of the spiritual gifts are, are indeed charismatic, meaning they're given by the Spirit. They were empowered by the Spirit. So no matter what your gift is, if it's of service or of teaching or of giving, it is no less miraculous and no less Spirit-empowered than any of the others, even though we've got some confusion. And so, so, so as we've been talking about that, no doubt um, th- there's been some, some questions or maybe some from past experience, some anxiety that has risen up in you. And, and as I said, a lot of the views and, and negativity or fear around many of those gifts comes not as much from the gifts themselves, right, or even people using those gifts, but rather from the misuse of those gifts, right? Much of the fear and negativity that we know associated with some of those gifts it comes not from the gifts themselves, but rather a misuse of those gifts by some churches or some denominations or organizations, whatever it may be, which often leads to a, a sort of chaotic or confusing worship service or experience where uh, people kind of leave like unsure of what has just happened or, or whatever. And so no doubt as we've walked through this and began to affirm some of those instead of reject those gifts, some of you may have been having questions. What, is this, what does this look like for us, right? What are, we, what are you doing here, Jordan? Where are we headed uh, as the journey? What changes are going to be made? Are we headed toward a, a type of service that is full of confusion um, or, you know, like, do I need to be looking for another church or, or what, what's going on here, Jordan? And, and even though I paused a couple times to try to reassure you of, of, of that not being the case, uh, no doubt there's still some questions left unanswered. So Paul doesn't leave us hanging. Paul gets really practical in the verses we just read. And, and we won't leave you hanging either. We're going to address that. And so as Paul talks and gives these guidance to this church in Corinth, we are going to talk about um, what does that look like for us. So today we're going to talk about, okay, what, what, what are we doing with all this? We've been in this for several weeks. We've been talking about this. We've been pleading with God's Spirit to move. We've been uh, talking and teaching about how we can be more receptive to that. What does that look like to incorporate those changes and, and to um, really move forward as the journey without just having gone through this? Okay, we read it. All right, and, we, and then we move on. But no, we want to experience all that God has for us and, and not reject it. So what does that look like? We're going to be talking about that today. So before we get to that, though, just some brief context. Because some of you might be here, this might be your first time, you've not been here for any of this series. Some of you might be here and you haven't been to church in a long time or maybe ever, and you're like, you're, you're just, you're looking for some hope, you're looking for something. So if we just go into this, okay, this is order in the church and, and how we do these gifts, it might be lost on some of you. So some context largely to what God is doing in history and specifically now is this, that God is bringing order out of chaos. That is who our God is. That is what he does. That's what he did in the very beginning. If you read Genesis 1 and 2, before God began forming the earth and creating, there, there was chaos, there was, there was darkness, and there was a void. There, there was no order. It was just darkness, and, and God began to speak and to bring order out of that, the order that we know and love, and even the, the laws that we celebrate of gravity and we try to understand the things that keep us glued to this earth instead of floating away, and, uh, and, the, and the way the trees make oxygen out of our Carbon monoxide, like that, that's crazy stuff, right? But God set all of that in place. He brought order out of chaos. And, and things were good when he created them. Genesis 1 and 2, things were good. There was order. God was here. Human beings were here. And it was the fellowship that gave life to the humans. And God gave authority to them to go and fill the rest of the earth and subdue it and continue to bring order out of the wildness of 
the world. And that was how God made things to be, and it was indeed good. Now, you may have noticed things have changed, right? <laughs> Just spoiler alert, it's not good anymore. It's chaos, isn't it? Our world's chaos. Turn on the news. Or don't. Just take my word for it, right? It's depressing. It's, it's crazy. Okay, maybe your world personally is chaos right now. God, ever since that day when we blew it, when our sin brought in the chaos, the death, the sin, or the sickness, the, the division, the strife, our sin brought that upon God's, God's good world. Ever since then, he's been about the work of restoring the goodness of his creation, the people that he created and loves. He's been about restoring that and bringing, once again, order to that chaos. Okay, that is why Jesus went to the cross. If you remember this beautiful moment as he's on his way and, he, and, he, and his mom looks at him and he says, behold, I'm making all things new. As he's headed to the cross to die in our place, to take our sin, our chaos, the things that, that have been laid on our shoulders and you're here and you're like, man, I've got pain, I've got relational strife, I've got fear, I've got a diagnosis, I've got these kids and I don't know what to do with them and they're at home all the time now and that's crazy and, and, and all of this stuff that Jesus came and he says, I'm, I'm going to make all things new. And he does it by going to the cross, by taking our place for the, the punishment for what we deserve for bringing this chaos, for exerting our will, getting things out of order, thinking God's here and we're here, but we'd rather be here. Well, the, the punishment that we deserve from that is that we deserve to die. That the wages of sin is death. That's what we earn. Our wage, what we earn from sin Rebelling against God, running away, doing things our way, what we, what we deserve, what we earn with that is death. When Jesus came and said, I, I got that. Give me that. I'm going to die the death to end all death on the cross. And all who would receive me cry out to me as a sinner in need of mercy and give me their sin. I will, I will forgive them. And in exchange, I will give them my righteousness, my life, my immortality, my eternity. It's this beautiful, great exchange. And Jesus, in that, is bringing order out of our chaos. Our world, our personal world, our corporate world, he's bringing order out of chaos. And, and he does that any time that a sinner comes and receives Jesus as Savior. And we're familiar with that, right? We're familiar with Jesus saving people out of their sin. Okay, they've been saved. We celebrate them through baptism. We talk about them. We tell their story. But oftentimes what we forget is that he keeps coming at us. He keeps coming after us and for us. We just sang about it, right? That his goodness is running after, running after us. Well, what does that mean? Even after you've been saved and your sins have been forgiven, it's not just, okay, wait until you get to heaven and then things will be good. He keeps pursuing. He keeps healing. He keeps drawing out life out of you. He keeps doing away with sin in you and bringing you into life. That he, he keeps coming after you. He keeps loving you. And the way that he does that is through his spirit, Right? It's through him showing up in power to reveal himself, to convict us of sin, and to call us to trust in him in increasing measure. Some of you, for the first time today, you've never done that. He's calling you to trust in him as Savior today. 
Others of you, he's calling you to trust him in increasing measure. Trust him with the burden that is on your heart right now that you haven't told anybody. Trust him with the sin that you've hidden and not shared with anybody else. Trust him with the fear of your relationship and it's falling apart that you've not told anybody else. Trust him with your children. You're not sure what is gonna happen with them. Trust him with whatever it is, your marriage, your, your, your job, your paycheck, your, your income, your debt. Trust him with that today because he wants to continue to bring order out of your chaos. He wants to continue to bring healing to you. And he does that in supernatural ways as he brings his spirit to bear on the church. He's doing so to edify, to build up, to encourage his body, his church. That's what he's doing. That's the point of spiritual gifts, right? It's not some display or show or who can do the best church service. No, no. He's building up his church. He's, 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 Making disciples out of his people, he's making them increasingly into the image of God. Uh, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says that as we now with unveiled face, because he's made a way for us to behold God because our sins are forgiven, as we behold him, we are transformed from one degree of glory to another. So he gives spiritual gifts to that end, right? He works in the church to that end. So that's what he's doing. That's why this matters. So that's the context We've been spending several weeks talking about that. So now we come to, chap- to, to verse 26 of chapter 14, and Paul says, what then? What then? Because he expects a response. He's just given very clear, very direct instruction to this church, not telling them to stop using the spiritual gifts, but rather to use them correctly. And he expects a response from them. And so he says, what then, brothers? He expects a response. So he's going to give them helpful guidelines. And listen, church, we don't want to be, as I said earlier, we don't want to just be hearers of the word of God, right? James tells us to not just be hearers, but also doers of the word of God, right? We can have a tendency to just sit and, and go through a book like this, go through uh, you know, a series like this and go, okay, that's great, okay, and then just kind of continue on with status quo. Paul is giving them this instruction not so they can hear it in one reading and then go back to church the way that they were doing it before. He expects a response. In church, he expects a response from us. He has been kind to us. He has been here and present and preserved us for a purpose and called us to engage this community with the kingdom of God for his glory. And he expects a response from us, church. So what does that that look like? what are we going to do? Well, here's what Paul says in verse 26 through, through 33. What we have here are house rules. Okay, Paul, God is going to say, these are the rules of my house. Hey, you're familiar with this, right? We, you know that uh, at my house, there, there are rules, right? You come to my house and, and you're wondering, is this a place where we take, you take shoes off, we leave shoes on, right? Uh, how, how, how do we do this? Do we set in here? Do we set in there? What, what are the rules, right? And I can't come to your house and expect to tell you how things should operate, right? And the same of, of you at mine, right? This is, this is God's house, and, and these are his rules, okay? So the first thing we need to remember is that he says these gifts are good. He says they are good. He says at the end, don't forbid speaking in tongues, right? He, he says, that we should all desire to prophesy. We should all want the gifts. And, and so they are good. So we, the, the debate is over. God has spoke. He says that we should all desire them, that we should use them rightly. And so we don't get to say, well, no to this gift or to that gift or no to this practice. Because why? This is God's house. We don't come in telling him how we're going to do things. Right? This would be like you coming to my house 
And if you come to my house, within a few seconds, one of my kids is going to be doing cartwheels and flips and whatever, right? Well, it'd be like you coming in saying, hey, we don't do that in this house. Like, well, yeah, we do. You know why? Because it's my house. And I make the rules. And I want my kids to do that. Right? So you wouldn't do that at our house. So we don't do that in the house of the Lord. We don't say we don't do. And, and I've known some churches to do that. Say we forbid to speak in tongues. We, for, we forbid the, you know, the spiritual gifts in these ways. And it's like, well, it, it says not to. And you're like, well, we're going to do it anyway. Well, that's bold, right? We don't want to do that. Now, the good news is he gives guidelines. He gives more rules and more instructions to make sure that when people come to his house, they don't leave confused or, 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 or scared of the people, but rather in awe of God. That's what God is about doing. That's, that's the whole point of, of as he's bringing his, his spirit to bear, he, he is, he's calling us to, to repent. He, he's, not, he's not about confusing us, rather about bringing peace. So he doesn't want to confuse us, but he does indeed want to confront us. That's what Paul said in, in, the, in the verses just prior to where we started reading. Um, he says in verse 24 and 25 of the same chapter, if all prophesy an unbeliever or outsider enters, he's convicted by all, he's called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed and so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. That's what he wants for us today. That's what he wants for us consistently is for the people of God to be confronted with his glory, his holiness, his righteousness, and ultimately his forgiveness, his salvation. So he has an agenda and he has a plan. We're not, we don't come in telling him how to, how to do that or to not do that in this way. So if you've been affected negatively by this series, you've been sort of uncomfortable, I want you to consider God's word, not mine. I'm not telling you it doesn't matter. I want you to consider God's word, not mine. And if I have misrepresented God's word, then you have reason for concern. And I would invite you to come talk to me. Like, to, to come, let, like let's engage about it. I don't want to be... Uh, close, I don't want you to feel like, well, you know, we can, no, let's, let's, let's come talk about it. But if your problem is with God's word, then, then don't just pull away and go to another church that, because they share your view or your preference. Rather, I would invite you to come and sit under God's word. Also to come to us, come to me, we'll, we'll, we'll talk through it, we'll, we'll wrestle through it. Maybe we, we both learn through that. So let, let, let's continue in that posture and let's see exactly what, is, what does Paul say about how we should operate as a church. So verse 26, he says, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, an interpretation. So listen, that is participation by the crowd. I want you to, I want you to see that. Like this church comes not with this, all right, impress me. Let's see what you got today. Who's singing? What's he preaching about? Is he funny? Is he not funny? What, how long is he going to go? When can we go to lunch? Like, no, no. These people are coming like, hey, I got a song. Can I sing today? Hey, I got a, I got a, I got a, a word. Can I share it with the church? I, God spoke to me this way. Can, and they're coming actively ready to participate. And, and so I don't want to move too quickly to the uh, sort of restrictive rules that Paul's going to give. Now, those are good, and those are comforting to many of us, and, and we will get to those, but I don't want to move too quickly to that without stopping and looking at, okay, this is, like, God wants us to be, like, the priesthood of the believers means that it's not just me who has the Spirit of God, that you don't just come to receive God's Spirit or grace from me. Rather, you all have the same Spirit that I have, which is the same Spirit that brought Jesus back out of the grave, amen? 
It's, it's in you. It's in us. It's in all of us. So the, the priesthood, the believers, those whole chapters of here in, in 1 Corinthians we've been talking about means that, that God isn't just working through those that we put on staff, but rather wants to work through all of us. That collectively the church works together as his spirit empowers some of you to serve in this way with this gift and others with this way in this gift. And that's the, that's the whole idea. So I want you to hear the participatory, participatory nature of this church and what Paul is affirming here. I think we have a tendency to make church too much of a consumer experience. Right? We just come in and, and sit and, and let the professionals perform for you, right? See if, if you're stirred, see if anything was good, and if so, you know, that's good, and if not, well, maybe they'll do better next week. But instead, we should be coming as the church saying, okay, what is the Lord going to do through us today? What is the Lord going to do in us today? How might he want to use me today? Now, hear me say, not all of the rule, the reason we do things the way we do has not al- is not always motivated by building bigger crowds and having a better online, whatever. Like there's some of that negativity, but it's not all a bad thing that we have some structure and a plan to our service and we, we have a filter of who gets to get on stage, right? We have some rehearsals for, for uh, you know, uh, those that are gonna have a microphone and sing and we have character check before anybody's gonna be preached, like things like that. It's not a bad thing because as, as Paul is gonna say, like we don't want this to be just straight chaos, right? Like there, there's a reason that we have sort of templates to service and a plan. We don't want there to be distractions in the church just because we as leaders don't have the guts to tell somebody that singing isn't their gift, okay? You ever watch those shows like American Idol and, and, and whatever, and you're like, bless their heart. Why didn't their mama tell them, right? Why didn't their mama tell them they can't sing, right? Don't go on national TV, sweetie. Should have told you years ago, right? So we don't want to have distractions in our churches because we don't have the guts to say, hey, that's not your gift. That's not your gift. We don't want to have services that last for hours and hours because we don't have the courage to say no to somebody who thinks they have something to say, right? Or, or, we, or we just want to, you know, be free. We don't want to, in the name of freedom or in the empowering the church, we don't want to just go on and on and on. Paul seems to think that there should be, uh, you know, time, structure, and respect of that. Now, God may blow up that agenda, and we're not just going to say, oh, well, it's 1015, we've got to stop. No, but we also don't want to just have an open-ended deal where th- that, that begins to turn people away from God's kingdom rather than to bring them toward. Now, I, I remember um, a, a story from a previous church that I was on staff at. Um, they would have offertory prayers. So many of you have been in church like that where they're going to take up the offering and they'd have four or five, six ushers that were going to be passing the baskets and one of them would come up and give the prayer for the offering. Anybody been in a church like that? You remember that? Okay, well, we had this one gentleman in this church that when, when it was his turn, and, and he made it his turn as often as he could. When it was his turn to give that prayer, boy, he set that basket down and he settled himself in and he gave a good old-fashioned rant. And he would rant. And he would talk about every, like right now, he'd be talking about the election. Like, I'm not kidding. Like, that's the kind of stuff that he would just lay into, right? And he'd talk about the young people. And when he'd pass the basket, he'd tell the young people to pony up, dig deep, and make it like, it was just, he was super strange, but he would just rant about Lord knows what every week. And every time he got up, you'd just kind of cringe or just kind of sit back and get your popcorn. Like, you don't know what he's going to say today, right? Like, it's, it's, it's either or. But I'll never forget, this went on for years. I'll never forget this one day. He stands up and he says, okay, you may be seated. And he gets to settle in. 
and there remains this one lady standing in the middle of the church. This one old lady. And he kind of kind of notices her, and then he keeps going. He, goes, he said, so-and-so, did, did you need something? She said, no. And he started to go on. He said, well, so-and-so, what, 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 what are you doing? She goes, oh, I'm just waiting on you to shut up. <laughs> like, right in front of everybody, that was her response. And let me tell you, it was awesome. <laughs> like, it was fantastic. Like, I was the youth pastor, and all our students were like, oh, my gosh, like, high-fiving each other. Like, she became a legend to us. We were like, that was awesome. That was hardcore. That lady just called him out because she said what all of us were thinking every week. Now, for us, it was awesome. I want you to think about, though, somebody that's new, somebody that's never been to that church before, that's not a good look, right? That's not a good look. That's not the story you want to tell it. They might come back. They might bring some friends next week, right? Not to be edified by the word of God, but to watch that mess, right? So what should have happened? Leadership should have shut that dude down years ago, right? Leadership should have said, hey, man, you honor the Lord with a prayer or you don't come up here, right? Because that's good and right. Because it says God's not a God of confusion, but of peace. God's not a God of chaos. He's bringing order in. So, so there's, there's a reason we have, you know, a plan, but at the same time, we don't want to go so far into that that we're just consumers, and you're just waiting to see what we do as the people on stage. We want to have a church that is seeking to be filled with the Spirit together, right? That God may use each of you, each of us, to build one another up. So what does that look like? What Paul says, each, everybody's coming with all of this, this you know, they, they have something to offer to the church. Okay, how do, you, how do you put it in structure? He says, well, let all things be done for the building up of the church. So you need to think about it from that, that respect. Is this building up the church? Is this edifying the saints? If it's just a solo so that so, you know, so-and-so can show off their vocal cords, well, then we're, we're not going to do that. We're going we're gonna to try to redirect that gift. But if it's for the building up of the church, then, then Paul says, okay, do it in an orderly fashion. Do it with intentionality. Verse 27, he says, if any speak in a tongue, there should only be two or at most three and each in turn. And we talked about this earlier when we talked about tongues, but let someone interpret. So what he's saying here is this shouldn't turn into this just free for all. Everybody's just spouting off tongues. Maybe you've been in a church like that. Paul says, that's not okay. That's not what we're doing here. God may choose to move in that way in our church, but if he does, there'll be order to it. He says, let, let two, two or at most three, he says, and each in turn, and someone should interpret. He says, if there's not an interpreter, verse 28, that's okay. Let them stay silent and talk to God. Okay? Because either God's going to use an interpreter to give that message to the whole church, or that person is just going to keep talking to God in that language, and they're going to be blessed, and that's okay. We don't forbid that, right? But they should be talking to the Lord. They should be uh, keep silent. So it doesn't mean they're just praying. Even if they're praying out loud, and if you've ever been next to somebody in church that's praying out loud in tongues, like that's a dis- that, that can be distracting, right? I don't, know, I don't know what they're saying. I can't understand them. I don't know you know, if something's wrong or if, you know, and, and so Paul says, let them keep silent and speak to himself and to God. You pray out loud in your prayer closet. And we talked about that, okay? In, in the corporate gathering, there should be order. Prophecy, verse 29. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the 
prophets. Okay, what's he talking about there? Again, we, we talked about prophecy at length a few weeks ago. So I encourage you to go back. If, if this is starting from scratch from you, go back and, and start there and listen there. But what Paul says is, listen, God may give the church a word. He may move and impress a word upon somebody that is for the whole church. But if that were to be the case, then, then you, it's not just like open mic, okay, one after another, who's up? This is prophecy time. We'll go to, no, no. He says, let, let two or three, and as they're speaking, let, let the others weigh what is being said. What does that mean? Well, it, it says we should test all prophecy. Like we don't just take it because somebody said they're a prophet and they say this is the word of the Lord. We don't take that authoritatively because the, the, there is no more capital P prophet that says thus saith the Lord with authority. Any word from any human needs to be subject to this, the word of God, the ultimate authority. We, we surrender it to this. We filter it through this. So as they're saying things and they're saying, okay, the Lord wants us to, you know, the Lord wants you to give this amount of money today to this ministry and blah, blah, blah. You're like, well, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, let, let's check it here. Right. Or the Lord wants you to work in this way. Or the Lord has this word for you. Like, no, no, we, we, we let it go through the, the filter of God's word and it won't be chaotic. Here's what he says. In verse 32, the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. What does that mean? Well, God doesn't just, you know, fall in such a way that it just brings all of this chaos. And well, this person's, they don't have control of themselves. They're just prophesying. They don't have control of themselves. They're just speaking in tongues. He says, no, no, no. If God's moving, if God's prompting in someone, they're still gonna, that's still going to be subject to the prophet themselves. Meaning God's not going to cause somebody to prophesy against their will or in a way that they can't control. There's a very clear expectation that they can take turns. Right? So they're going to have control over what God is doing in, in their midst as far as like, I, I can wait. I could share this in a moment, right? And, and, and he says, if someone's talking and God speaks, you know, to someone else, then let that person sit down. Like God's going to speak through that person. Now there needs to be order there. <clears throat> Why? Verse 33, for God's not a God of confusion, but of peace. Well, in the same way that, that God is going to give an, the gift of interpretation, if God's going to speak, call someone to speak in tongues in a church, then he's going to give someone a gift of interpretation in church. If not, it shouldn't be used in church. Real simple. Well, when it comes to prophecy, God gives us the word of God to be our ultimate authority, and sometimes it's still not clear. Well, he gives other people the gift of discernment. We talked about that. The ability to discern between spirits, to know, okay, this was inspired by God, this wasn't. I, I, I just, I, I have a sense, I have a feeling like, right? And ultimately, the elders are going to be the ones responsible for who gets to, you know, speak to the church and who doesn't. And we can talk about that in a bit. But that is Paul's uh, instruction for how do you handle this. It's sort of in summary. He's, he's given instruction to all of these gifts earlier in these chapters. And then in summary, he just says, hey, this, is, this should be what you expect on a Sunday morning. Everybody's coming in with all this energy. Okay, well, we're going to give some order to this. We're going to give some, some, some structure to this. We're going to have some intentionality to, to this. Okay, I don't think it needs to be budgeted down to the minute. And when this, when this is over, okay, we got to move on to this next thing. I don't think so. That's an overcorrection. But there should be some structure and some intentionality. And then he ends it by saying in verse 39, so my brothers earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but in all things should be done decently and in order. So what does this mean for us? What are we doing with all of this? Well, in short, e each of us should expect that we need, to, we need to change our mindset away from a consumer mentality. Instead, as I've said, we need to come in expecting that God is going to do a work in and through us. 
not just those who have prepared and been on stage and whatever, but, but through us, that God uh, may want to use us to do what he wants to do in the church. So we shouldn't come into a Sunday morning just totally in this mindset of, well, let's see if they can impress me or not this morning. No, no, we look back at the gifts of the Spirit, right? The holistic gifts of the Spirit, administration, healing, service, giving, and, and we go, okay, Lord, use me this morning. I'm, some of you are like, I'm never going to get on stage. I'm never going to talk. Well, that's fine. How does he want to use you? Right? Maybe that's offering your gifts to the church to serve through the week. To, I mean, no, nothing, like even giving of your time to mow the yard, our, our lawn team, saying I, like that is spirit empowered and is miraculous in and of itself, right? People who come and serve the church in this way, people who give uh, huge portions of their income to the church, like that is spirit empowered. And, and the people who bring order Right? To the, even the operations here, that is spirit empowered. And so, okay, what does this look like for us as a church? How do we keep moving it? So look back at those gifts, that list of gifts, and the ways that God is pleased to move. It says things like healing, prophecy, uh, miracles, right? Uh, interpretation, discernment, that we should expect that that stuff doesn't just come through the pastors and the elders and those that are on stage, right? Why? Well, that creates a bottleneck. If only ministry can happen here, right, through my position or the staff, like, then that, that creates this bottleneck. Now, there's authority given there, right, to, to make sure that structure, to order, and God's glory, like, there, there's, there's rightful authority given to the position of elder, and like, that's true, but it's not that special um, filling of the Spirit or special um, Gifting has come to them that, that doesn't come to the rest of you. We all have the same spirit. So it, it, we don't want to do that. We don't want to put a bottleneck on the ministry that God wants to do. And, and we don't want to overemphasize, right, the, the, the role of the pastor. Because then that's de-emphasizing de or diminishing the priesthood of believers. So what do we do? We should all expect to be filled with the spirit that we might be used. That you, yes you, might be used to build up the church. What does that look like? I don't know. That's the beauty of it. I don't, God doesn't tell me to divvy them out, right? Some churches, they come to the, okay, you want this gift? I'll give, no, no, I'm not Jesus. I'm not the Spirit. He decides what gifts, as he chooses. It says in verse 12, or in chapter 12, he gives these gifts as he chooses. So we should come open to the Spirit, active participants in the church service, open to the Spirit, that God may use you and us to Build up his church that he may impress on you someone or someone to approach and pray for, or he may impress upon you. You may have never thought about it before, and God may say, go pray for this person. Their back hurts, their chest hurts, whatever. Go pray for them that I may heal them. God may do that. You realize that? That it doesn't, he's not only going to do that through me or through, you know, like he may impress upon you, hey, go pray for so-and-so. You may not have ever met them before. Read your New Testament. God does things that are not explained by human minds, but it always leads to him getting glory. It always leads to people worshiping Jesus. And so he may want to cause someone to worship Jesus through you. He may want to use you to go and pray for someone or to go give a word of encouragement that will cause that person to worship Jesus. You should desire that. You should long for that. Same thing in our community groups, right? That we don't just come and show up and hope that the leaders do a good job and bring good words. No, we should be prayerful. We should be engaging with God's word ourselves through the week, right? That he might use us to bless the whole group. And that doesn't mean that we're just gonna take over and you know, you know, 
hijack the lesson, right? Uh, you know, I, I got this one tonight. No, we still come with humility. We still honor that position of leadership, but, but we're open to being filled with the Spirit and to being used by the Spirit for the good of the whole group and for the whole church. Okay, so how do we plan to incorporate this in the life of our church specifically, right? We're encouraging people to speak, use these gifts, to seek these gifts. What are we, how are we going to do that? Well, that, that was part of the idea, uh, one part of the idea behind Journey PMs, and we hope to get back, that, back to that soon, and, and elders are continually processing, okay, what, what's, our, what's our next moves for, you know, the COVID and all of that? So just know that. We'll give some updates even this week or just to let you in. There's really not much changing, but just to let you in to, to our our process and what we're praying through. But Journey PMs, we hope to get back to that. But, but that's sort of a, a closer-knit, more intimate time where that's, that's sort of, um, you know, our people, our core gathered together. There's a little bit more space to, to pursue this sort of, of, of ministry from the Spirit. And so that's a part of it. But, but here on Sunday mornings, and we've been moving toward this. You've noticed, a time of, or you've noticed this a bit. But we want to move our response time after the sermon. We want to make that a time of ministry. We want to make that a time where, where God does ministry through one another, right? We uh, spent some time a, a couple weeks ago uh, training a prayer team. We're going to continue to do that with a few more, but, but these are leaders. These are people in our church that we know and trust. It wasn't an open call. Anybody who wanted to be on the prayer team didn't get, like, this was handpicked by our elders. Who, who do we believe has the integrity, the character to be invited into this? Who can be used in this way? We want to make sure these are people you can trust, right? It's not just anybody up here to receive people to, to pray, but we've, we've spent some time. Okay, here's what it looks like to pray intentionally for people that come with needs. So, so we want to make that time of service after I preach, not just a time, I, I think, for so many of us, we've had this idea that the altar or that, that time is for people who are making a decision to get saved for the first time, right? I remember that was me as a kid growing up in a Baptist church. Like, that was, was, come get saved, right? Like, that's the, that's the invitation. And I'm looking around at, like, these other 30 people, and I know they're all saved. And I'm like, well, I guess they're waiting on me, right? And they're going to sing one more verse of Just As I Am, and they're waiting on me, right? And it's real hot in the church whenever everybody's waiting on you, right? You're holding on to that pew, you don't want, like... I think we have this idea, oh, if somebody went to the altar, ooh, I wonder what's going on with them, right? So-and-so was here. Oh, she was here without her husband. She went to the altar. Something must be wrong in their marriage, right? We, you, you think, like, we, we've been around, we think things like this. What's going on with this person? They must be rededicating their life. There's whispers when somebody goes to the altar because it has to be this significant event. I, I want us to move past that. It's not biblical, right? It's not healthy, I don't think it's what the Lord wants to do. We want to move beyond that to where this is an invitation to receive ministry, to receive what God has for us, right? So we want to come and, and bring our burdens. We talk about that each week, right? That you know, whatever we're bringing, whatever guilt, shame, burdens, that we can bring it to the Lord. Well, this is an active time to do that, right? To, to put feet to that prayer saying, I need to be prayed for. I am struggling with this. We say all the time, it's okay to not be okay but then perhaps we don't give you an intentional time to come and confess and ask for help, right? Ask for the Lord to, to make you not, like, to bring you out of that not being okay, right? To bring your sin, shame, guilt, fear, pain, your sickness, right? That's an intentional time for that. So here's what we're going to do. Here's, here's the biggest change, right? Here's what we're going to do is during this time, we're going we're gonna to invite a prayer team to come forward. And they're going to move, and they're going to come forward. And it's not the same people every week. It, it, there's permission for them to set out and maybe even to receive prayer themselves. But they're going to come, and, and it's going to be awkward because they're going to turn, and they're going to stand and face you. And they're going to wait to receive. 
And I get it. Some of you may not be comfortable moving. That may be new for you. It's going to take some time to get into that as a church. Not going to have a huge team up here, but a few. And, and we want to invite you to come and receive prayer. That could be for something small. You may have a decision coming up this week. You may have uh, a fear in your life. Like no, It's not this threshold of, okay, is this worth bringing? No, no. You just bring your heart, your life, your stuff to the Lord. If you're not comfortable having their you know, hands on you, you want to keep distance, that's fine. Okay, there's a room, there's a hallway over here, there's a room, a prayer room in there where like, we can set socially distance and pray for you if that's your preference. Just, just tell, tell us. We won't be offended by that. Right? And we can continue you know, to pray in there. We can lay hands. Like, all of that is okay and is what we expect our church to begin moving in that way. It's just, hey, let's just bring our stuff to the Lord. Just bring our stuff to the Lord. It could be like, hey, I want to worship better. I want to be free enough to raise my hands. I want to be free enough to worship, in the, but, I, but I got some real social anxiety. You can bring that to the Lord. You can bring anything that is on your heart. You are free to, to do that, right? So as we do that time of response, there will be a prayer team that is approved by us to pray for you. You're welcome to move about the room. You're welcome to come to the altar. All those prayers don't have to be said at the altar. A lot of that will be standing and, and praying for one another. It may be in that room if, we, if that's better for hearing. All of that could be true, but it, it's... We'll adjust, we'll adapt as we go, but ultimately we just want to change our expectation that the Lord is here and he wants to move powerfully and present today to bring order out of chaos today, to bring healing today. You know what? You come, ask for healing, we pray. I want you to come again next week. Like I want us to continue to pray. Jesus tells us to keep knocking, keep asking, keep coming. You may feel like the Lord has given you a word for the church where you don't come straight to the mic for that one. Okay, bring it to the, the prayer team, or bring it one of the elders. If you don't know the elders, bring it to the prayer team. They'll know the elder, and, and we'll tell you one of three things. We'll either say, hey, not sure right now. Let's hold off on that. We'll discern together and maybe come back to it. We might say, hey, that seems to be out of line with Scripture. Let's just talk some more later. Or we may say, hey, actually, I think the Lord is at work in that. Let's, let's share that together. Like, that, that may be a thing, right? That would be pretty rare probably, but I don't want to close that door. God wants to give us a word. God wants to heal somebody in our midst. We don't want to discern that. We don't want to despise that. We don't want to quench the spirit. We don't want to forbid God from doing things that he wants to do. Amen? So that's our heart. That's our hope. Let's lean into this time of ministry. We're going to need to change it together. I've told that prayer team they're going to have to be brave to stand there to receive you guys. It'll be weird. I get it. But it'd be less weird if y'all come and receive. So leaders, Let's step out. Let's set an example in this. Let's receive prayer today. Let's receive prayer regularly. We're not trying to get any certain number. We're not trying to create this experience. We're rather, we're just trying to raise our sail, right? That God may move, that God may blow in power and bring healing and encouragement and hope to our church in supernatural ways. So let's lean into this. Don't worry about the song ending. I want to say that too, Okay. We're not, we're not putting a, a timer on the spirit. Okay, Lord, you got four and a half minutes, and when this song's over, your time's up. No? What happens if you're up here and you're being prayed for or you're still working through some things and the song ends? Guess what? We're just going to close quietly over you, right? Don't, you don't have to feel like you've got to stop. You don't have to listen. You can slide into that room if you're more comfortable. You can stay right there and keep praying if you're more comfortable. That's totally fine. Any of that is fine. We will give a benediction over you. Everybody else will exit and go chat outside, and ministry can continue to happen, Okay? I just want to say that. You don't, have to, you don't have to wrap it up as the song is wrapping up. No, it's a song of response. Prayer team will be here. You can, like, the Lord can continue. We give him permission, right? That's silly. God do what he wants. We're inviting him to continue to work even after we say amen, okay?
Let's pray and let's do this together. Let's respond. Let's lean in together. God, we need you. For many, this is uncomfortable. For many, we're eager. But regardless, we need you. You are the gentle, powerful, and kind Savior who drew all men to yourself, who, who crowds came to bring their burdens, to bring their sickness, to bring their fears, to bring their sin, their shame. They all came to you, Jesus. We believe you are still that Jesus and that you are here to heal. You are here to, to move in our midst. So may you draw us to you the way that you drew them. Father, may you draw us to you once again. May you renew our faith. We want you, Jesus, not some experience, not to say, well, we had a bunch of people move, or, you know, it was a good response time today. No, no, no. We want, as it says in verse 24 and 25, we want to be brought to a place where we're in worship and in awe and saying, man, the Lord was in this place. The Lord was present. Would you do that work, Lord? Please, we need you. We believe, Lord. Would you help our unbelief and would you move? Would you show up in power? Would you come amongst your people? For those who don't know you, would you give them the faith to come and receive you today for the first time? For those of us who know you but have never opened the, ourselves to your spirit moving in, in, in ways other than convicting us of our sin and calling us to be saved, would, would you show yourself this morning? Show yourself as powerful, as kind, and as active in our midst. We need you, Jesus. Would you come in power? It's in your name we pray.